I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. I think about your story. I, I will never stop thinking about your story where you puked into somebody's vagina. Vagina, yeah. Yes! <laughs> and lapped it up as a reflex. Like um, a little doggy. I'm diking out, you're diking out. Let's dike out together. See what it's all about. Diking out, diking out, diking out, diking out. Hi, and welcome to Diking Out, a podcast that's hosted by two non chuggy millennial dykes. I'm Carolyn Bergier. I'm Melody Kamali, and today we're diking out with actor, musician, comedian even, Rivka Reyes about love addiction. Uh-oh, I think we just triggered half our listeners. Whoopsies. Get yourself to a safe space if you need to. Hit pause now. Wait till you have some tissues around, and then resume and then listening later. Uh, if you haven't already, you can go and rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a nice review. It's good karma. Or you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash out. We just recorded that episode. Melody, what do we talk about? We give a little recap of our Dyke Beer crossover event in Prospect Park. Yep. We talk about our upcoming summer travel plans we talk about what our past guests have been up to some very exciting exciting. developments for real yes well melody yeah we got to see each other in the flesh this week it hit me on the way there it's just been once (laughs) over the last year 
So crazy. It's so crazy to see you in person. Though I felt like we were kind of dividing and conquering with, with talking to people. So I still can't wait to hang out with you again. Right. Because it's been a while since we've hung out like one-on-one. Yeah. It will happen though. Things are opening up. We were hanging out outdoors safely without masks with vaccinated folks. It was, it was a, a good time. And I didn't ask you, what's the gayest thing you did this week? Funny you should ask. It's obviously a result of this park hang. You know, yeah. I mean, that's just, that's, how do you top that? Right, right. So obviously we had a great time at the park. We got gifted some hats. Listeners Daphne and Emily showed up with hats on hats on hats for us. I'm talking, you know, baseball caps with the Diking Out logo, bucket hats, tie-dyed hats, embroidered logo on a pink camouflage, hot pink hot tie-dye. Pink for you. Right. They know their audience. Yeah. So thank you so much. I actually was wearing a bucket hat on the way to the hang and Allie said it couldn't pull it off. And so there was a bucket hat waiting for me when I got there. Amazing. And then listener Daria Roy gifted me a Yukon Huskies basketball flat brim hat. Oh my gosh. So many hats. I came home with four hats. (laughs) I, I didn't even count how many. I showed up with a hat. Cecilia was wearing a diking out hat. I was wearing a plaid hat with a embroidered buffalo on it. And then we just got more hats. So I think the lesson is if you wear hats, more hats will come to you by some type of like lesbian or queer physics yeah, law. Yeah, it's queer physics. Yeah. yeah. Queer physics. <laughs> It's a beautiful thing. I love science. It worked out great. So funny. And I guess the gayest realization I had this week is that snapbacks look good on me. And I'm formally apologizing. And bucket hats. That's kind of cute, right? I'm just, I just would like to maybe apologize for all the clowning I did on snapback lesbians. I don't think we're ever clowning because they wear a snapback. (laughs) It's a look. It's more that the snapbacks comes along with certain other yeah and traits, i think i, I, I it wasn't making looks great i wasn't making fun of it i would think no. i was distancing myself from the archetype of course but now your hair is pretty straight it's too short your hair is too short now to be a snapback queer for sure but but i'm rocking the aesthetic because i yes. like it yeah love it so, you know, just drowning in hats is the gayest thing for me. What about you, Carolyn? What's the gayest thing of the week for you? I mean, I knew it was going to be from the hangout, but of all the things, I was trying to narrow it down. So maybe you can help me. I did pass on, finally, the gay champion of the week trophy <laughs> to you, <laughs> sharing the joy of having that because I've had it the whole time and I haven't been able to actually give it to you. So, you know, you've been doing gay shit and gay championing I've been for excelling. a while now. I've been excelling. You really, you put in the effort every week. All right. <laughs> I see you. I see you. If you don't have a gay thing, you go out and you make gay stuff happen, Melody, and you deserve that 
trophy. Thank so I you. hand that off to you. We hung a, a diking out flag in Prospect Park, which attracted a lot of attention. That was pretty gay. Passed out some diking out temporary tattoos to the people who showed up. Feeling a lot of guilt about not answering messages from one particular listener, Kelly, who was in from Chicago, <laughs> because we thought she was a cop. And <laughs> we're fielding some emails from cops over the last week. But she found us. It turns out okay. More about that on the Patreon app. And the thing, though, that I think might be the gayest thing was that I noticed that I was doing a lot of squatting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At this hangout. Yeah, you were. I would not sit on the ground, even though there were blankets and stuff. And I could have sat and I could have been fine. But I was either standing or squatting or kind of like kneeling and my legs and my feet kept falling asleep and then I'd get up and walk around and then squat again and then everything would fall asleep all over again. But afterwards, I was trying to think like, what were the gay moments of this hang? I was like, I squatted so much, so much that my thighs are a little sore. Amazing. Just a lot of being in the squat position. Squatting's Squatting is very gay. Yeah, there is a gay squat. Yeah, yeah. I'm like coming up to people, hands on my thighs like I'm a softball coach, squatting down to talk to people who who were sitting comfortably. (laughs) And I didn't want to commit to sitting anywhere. I wanted to stay mobile and agile, but I didn't want to stand and be hovering. Mm -hmm. So mastering the squat socializing. Yeah, was the gayest thing I did this week. That's so funny. The squat has been a prevalent picture pose uh, over the last few years. And I actually went out with some gays. We went and got drinks last Friday night. We're walking down the street and me, Pascas, Alicia Brown, our friend Brian thought it'd be funny if we all wore blazers out to the bar. It wasn't (laughs) funny. It was amazing. (laughs) Melody. What an amazing idea. A choice, yeah. I love it. We completely took on new personas. It was necessary. Like, we really just needed to get out of our heads and get in some blazers and take on the night. And we were walking down the street, and we're like, we have to get a picture before we go home. And there was a woman who overheard us. We asked her if she could take our picture. This woman directed a full music video. She had us, I have like 80 pictures. They're all incredible. She was directing different poses, different glances, different angles. She kept telling us we were invited to the cookout. We exchanged information with her. We are in touch. I wanted to squat. I see a lot of young people, such a dork. Like, I don't, yeah. I'm not, I don't take a lot of pictures. I don't post a lot of pictures. But like, I, you know, I was like, I want to see if I could do this gay squat. Now that you, you mention it. Do it Did you so see it? well. Yeah, I saw the photos and I was like, these photos are amazing. Go to my tagged photos on Instagram if you're curious. I did a gay squat, guys. And if it hadn't been for our park hangout, that definitely would have been your gayest thing. I thought that right. was going to be your gayest thing. But of course, you can't top no. the park hangout. But the blazers and the photo shoot with two other queers, so gay. Perfection. I love it. And that's why you have the trophy. Yes. Thank that's you. That's why. And gay thank you. On gay on because gay. you know I am dating a is dating. We've been dating for five years. <laughs> My lover Allie is a former pageant queen. And when she lived in Chicago, she had towers of <laughs> trophies, sashes, crowns, tiaras. Sure. So thank you for my one trophy <laughs> to put next to all of that. I do appreciate yes. it. 
Oh yeah, they're all under our bed now. In Chicago, we had the room. Now, not she breaks them out for photo shoots and stuff. For special occasions. Yeah. Well, don't keep this trophy under your bed. Keep it out. Be proud. And speaking of being proud, I'm really proud that we get to dike out on this episode with this guest who we've been talking about having for a while. Yes. Somebody that you know from your Chicago days. I've been telling you we gotta get them on the pod and I'm glad we did. You know what? Speaking of hats, Rivka was wearing a hat. Yes. Yeah. So today we are diking out with L.A.-based actor, musician, and comedian Rivka Reyes about love addiction. They are the host of the podcast, Where Are We Now? And many of you are familiar with them from their role in the movie, School of Rock. Let's get into it. All right, Riv, thank you so much for diking out out with us this week. It's so great for me to meet you. It is so great for me to see you. It has been so long. It's been such a long time. I feel like the last time I saw you was in Chicago when neither of us were living there anymore. Right. (laughs) The last real memory I have of you was us at Ladylike, a show in Chicago where you tell disgusting stories. And I remember you telling a story about going down on a girl and getting like toilet paper. That wasn't even what the story was about, but like, I think about that a lot. Like when I'm even wiping my own vagina, I'll think about your story. Well, I'm (laughs) glad it landed. And I think about your story. I I will never stop thinking about your story where you puked into somebody's vagina. Vagina. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) And lapped it up as a reflex. Like Um, a little doggy. Oh my God. I'm so glad, Riv, that you brought that up because that's a story that Melody brought up on Stereo, which is a different platform where we do live broadcasts a few times a week. And I don't think it's made it over to an official podcast app. So I've just been waiting uh, for Melody to let everybody know that... She vomited okay. into a vag. I don't tell this story because I had the, I guess, pleasure of seeing a crowd react to it. And I did send some people running out of the room to vomit. Like, it was like, <laughs> <laughs> I upset people. Oh, my God. On this same show, my story doesn't even compare. This is the same show where I think we were all on it. Allie was on it. She was visiting or something or she was about to move. And there were some girls heckling her in the front row. Oh, my God. And so she remember this. She reached up into her shorts, pulled out her tampon and put it on their plate. That is true. In the front row and goes, why don't you stick this in your mouth or something like that? Because she was so protected because they were heckling me. (laughs) And then she went out next. And I think she was just being overly protective. But yeah, disgusting show all around. Yeah. <laughs> wow, wow. It's truly wow. the most, and they, they also have a podcast on which I told a story about, I mean, th- my piece that night, I remember I was like, oh, I don't have like one gross story. So why don't I just give my like top 10 hits? Yeah. And I like told yes. it, like the top 10, like most disgusting <laughs> things. And this was back when I was still drinking a lot and using and heavily just deep in like sex addiction and love addiction. And I was actually like wearing these stories as a badge of honor. Mm-hmm. And I feel like 
your story was coming from a place of you had been sober, I think, for a little bit. And you were like, this is coming from a place of knowing I had a problem and needing to stop. And I was still very much like, that's crazy. She's an alcoholic. And then a couple months later, (laughs) I got sober (laughs) too. Yes. Oh, man. Well, that's part of living in Chicago, especially being a performer in Chicago. It's just a part of the culture. And yeah, I didn't realize it was a problem until I left. And maybe that was the same for you. (laughs) Big time. Big time. Yes. Coming of age in Chicago, I think a lot of people have to eventually reevaluate their relationship with alcohol as they approach their 30s because it is a wild place. Yeah. And then you come to LA and everyone's, or not everyone, but at least in my experience, I was working on a play and I was just like, you want to grab a drink after the show? And the girl was like, oh, I don't really drink. And I was just like, oh, word. And she was like, yeah, because on camera, you can see the day after somebody's had a drink, it's very visible. And I was just like, oh, I must stop drinking. I have to stop. Uh For of course, the vain reason is why I initially made the choice to put it down. And I definitely had been on my way out when it came to alcohol. Like for a while, I knew this was becoming a problem. I knew I was blacking out more than I was enjoying it. And then with this girl telling me, yeah, you know, they could see it on your face. I was just like, oh, then I'm fucked. I will not make it in this industry. So I quit drinking for my career and then realized that it was a deeper thing than vanity. It was more just like a spiritual thing that I was just like sick and like dead inside. And it was contributing heavily to like my relationships. I'm just glad that (laughs) I'm glad that I, I got I don't know. I like found the notebook in which I had written that set out too um, for a ladylike, like very recently. Does it read just like a, a playlist of discussing it things? Because literally, you picked, like no, a you, bunch you went of, off and yeah. you like all right. 10, 9, 8, or like... <laughs> it's true. Like, I like it's literally an, on the page. It's not, like, a full, like, paragraph for each thing. It's just, like, bottom-up wit, which is the name of a beer from Revolution in Chicago. It's, like, bottom-up oh, wit, yeah. blowjob, uh, throw-up story, uh, <laughs> throwing up out of the Uber window story, cocaine nosebleed pussy story. Like, literally, yeah. like, it's, like, a list of, yeah, like, either, I don't know, all these these like tracks on like a really bad punk album like yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I love looking at an old set list and just seeing the one to two word things it's like all right toilet miscarriage grandma murder deranged Uh, manifesto (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah. period squelch like yeah (laughs) just for real yeah you're like I hope I never uh leave this at the office or (laughs) leave it anywhere or people are gonna find it it's not gonna be good well before we get to know you even more intimately (laughs) we've got to ask what's the gayest thing you did this week um I think the gayest thing that I did this week might have been last night where, well, okay, this has been a really gay week. Uh, first of all, I took off three nice. mental health days from work, which is pretty gay already. On the first yes. day of mental health, I went to get my muscles scraped by a muscle whisperer named Jackie, <laughs> who lives in Sherman Oaks, and she has pink dreadlocks, and um, she scraped my muscles. That whole sentence... Yeah. Is so gay. Just and it gets the, gayer, honey. The, the way you narrate it. Gets gayer. it. Okay. My gay friend David brought me Keep some going. ice packs because I don't have any because I'm not a real adult. And they came over and brought me a bunch of ice packs and soup. And then last night I had a gentle exorcism from 
a spiritista named Caitlin who uh, is non-binary and they like went into my soul and, and got rid of some of these nasty spirits that were kind of lingering and then I, um, I had dinner with my ancestors. So I think it's been a pretty gay couple of days. Oh my God. Yeah. Your last <gasps> night was gayer than my whole pandemic. My whole court, like my whole last year. Yeah. Congrats. We, we have a, a gay champion of the week trophy and I feel like we have to mail it to you and that you, you own it forever because that was just so much gayness right there. I'm honored. <laughs> it is an honor. Absolutely. Wow. I want to know more about this exorcism. Right, same. This light exorcism. A gentle exorcism, yes. Well, I, I am gentle, uh, yes. I am a tarot reader, um, and I also read the Akashic Records, and I'm part of this cohort of fellow, like, intuitive business owners. We've got, like, Reiki healers, um, tarot readers, yes. like, um, psychics, other, you know, people who make herbal tonics and stuff. You name it. We got it. Somatic therapists, people who, like, help women on the journey to mothering and, and uh, death doulas, etc., and it's called the North Node. It's a group of badass witches, and I love it. It's it's really fun. And, and on Thursdays, we do this give and take Thursday thing where people like write their offerings, and there are trades. This person, Caitlin, who I've been seeing in the forum, and I like we've been following each other on the internet, and they were like, "Hey, like I'm offering a gentle exorcism," and I was just like, "What the fuck? That sounds <laughs> incredible. Whatever that is, I want it." Right. So I reached out to them, and I was just like, "Yeah, let me get a gentle exorcism." And yeah, we just met up on Zoom. They instantly were telling me all about my ancestors and what they required of me. It seems like they, they have been doing this a very long time because they're, they were just so quick. And I'm still a baby when it comes to this stuff. I, I started reading tarot for myself a couple years ago when I was like very single and very like, I don't know. God, what, do I, what, do I, what do I look for in a partner? And I was just like shuffling the cards and using them kind of alcoholically. And then over the pandemic, I started reading for my friends and stuff and being like, wow, I'm actually like really good at this. And I've been reading them for myself so long that I have my own interpretations of these cards. And I think it'd be really cool to uh, be able to read for others. So I started doing that and I joined the North Node and meeting all these other folks and everyone's at these like different levels of um, witchcraft and uh, experience and stuff. And so it's really cool to be read by somebody like that who has such deep connection without comparing myself in like a negative or unhealthy way. But yeah, it was freaky. I mean, I don't know if any of you have ever, ever seen like a medium or anything like that. I really want to. Yeah, I haven't. I think my wife is sort of like gently playing the long game of convincing me that that's a, a good thing that we should go and do or invest in. Like she she just got this audio book about s signs from your dead relatives. So I'm like, okay, she's priming me. This is where this is headed. Yeah, I mean, it is it is really cool and it's, it's a little freaky. Um, but since I'm like addicted to that, I've always been kind of a highly sensitive person and I've always felt... The presence of, of things that weren't there but totally were. And now that I live alone in my apartment, and this is the first time I've had a place that was mine, everything in this apartment is mine, I own it all, it's loud. It's loud in here. So I think that like maybe some, some bottom feeders have kind of followed me into this apartment maybe, and I would like for you to get in there and see if you can figure it out. And the thing that stuck with me the most from this 
session last night was they kept on using this phrase, remove the pins out of your heart, which I think is actually kind of a nice uh, segue into <laughs> today's episode, right? I guess there, there were a bunch of pins placed there by others on my heart that they had to get in there and remove. And I, today I feel like a complete different person. I feel a foot taller from the muscle whisperer and I feel like spiritually, I think probably a mile taller because I've got all these pins kind of removed out of me. But it was a really dope experience that I can't really explain more than that because I feel like I'm doing Caitlin a disservice, but I feel amazing. Oh, the gayest part is that I like took an ice bath after with some Epsom salts and I had my little setup in the bath. I have a little bath tray and I use like a little bit of a like a mix that my boss from my skincare muggle job she like made this like bath mix for me and I poured some of that in there and I had this ASMR (laughs) and I have like a little galaxy light that I got swindled into buying from Twitter. I Um, I gotta just pull the trigger and go to a viral tweet and get that because it looks so much fun it's so good I love mine and I just like blissed out in the bath for a little bit and um yeah yeah and woke up this morning feeling heavenly well I think all of our listeners are now putting in for three days off of work and are all gonna do the same thing because that sounds amazing I guess we caught you on on a great day now that you've been on the others you're a, a different person than when we asked you to be a guest on the right. podcast. How cool. Yeah, I might be straight now. I don't even know. <laughs> it is a journey. So, <laughs> yeah. So we're here to talk about love addiction and related things with Fun that. Stuff. Which um, is admittedly something I don't know too much about. So if anyone else listening isn't that aware, could you maybe define love addiction? Sure. Love addiction, to me at least, and there's a lot of different ways that this manifests, is basically that I use relationships like I used drugs. Maybe I use people like I used to use drugs. And I'm a couple years into deep, deep therapy and recovery from this and from drugs, but I think the core of all addiction is codependency, right? Love addiction and codependency to me are synonymous. Some people are addicted to just sex and not love. Some people are addicted to love and not sex. Basically, if it it gives me validation or that feeling of, you know when you get a text from somebody that you've been waiting for a text from all day and it feels like you've taken a hit off of a really good joint? (laughs) That to me is, that is what sums up love addiction to me. So yeah, it can look like a lot of things. It can look like assigning magical qualities to people and, and then being really disappointed when they don't fulfill those fantasies that you put on them. Being like, wait, how dare you? It can look like chasing after emotionally unavailable people. In my case, sometimes it looks like people who are emotionally available chasing after me and me getting kind of a high off of pushing them away. So like anything Mm. that falls under the umbrella of anxious or avoidant attachment style can be a part of the love addiction family. I'm like a highly, I'm like a nice like blend of anxious (laughs) and avoidant. and, And I've learned that 
a lot about myself through just reading a lot about those attachment styles and codependent no more and being in recovery programs for love addiction. And I'm by no fucking means an expert on this at all. Like oh, sure, I, I, sure. I have no experience being in a healthy romantic relationship still, especially not a queer one, but I'm definitely really good at talking about this shit and, and <laughs> it's, it's wild because now I'm kind of the friend that people go to for love advice and I'm like, that's wild considering how I was. Right. When you brought up the topic of love addiction for a second, I had to pause and be like, wait a minute. I'm not a love addict, am I? You know, like the the thing that people do when they... And and I've heard of love addiction before, but as somebody who... I came out as, as a lesbian when I was 17, and I'm more or less a serial monogamous. And in all my relationships, I've said... I love you to the person. And even in times where I'm like, I'm going to be single for a year. I can't. It it just, I can't make it work. I'm like, is that why? Am I like addicted to having to love someone else and, and be loved back? Is that it? That How can you tell? And then I was reading that for lesbians especially, because if you're biologically female, you emit a, a, a chemical that I guess men don't emit. And then so if you have two women doing that, they bond like yeah, faster and more That's why intense. we get the U-Haul. So it makes that's it, why we U-Haul. Yeah, that right, right, out. right. It, it's scientific, right? So... It's like, how do you know whether it's that happening or do you have like an addictive personality in general? I don't know. Yeah. Well, something that I think is a really interesting thing that I hear a lot in conversations around sex and love addiction, we're actually not addicted to love because love is letting others voluntarily evolve and grow. And like love is like justice, right? Love is honesty and and faith, you know, and faithfulness. And what I was addicted to was just the high of having somebody want to be around me. And and I was the affirmation, right? And then also the physical touch, sure. Like I was definitely a bit of a sex addict back in my day. Yeah. And then I would have these spells of absolute avoidance, fear of people where I would completely not be able to show any sort of affection for somebody, especially if they liked me, because in my brain, I'm telling myself, well, they're lying. They're absolutely delusional for liking you because you're, you're a fucking, you're a fucking asshole. Right. And I would confuse love with pity. (laughs) Um, I would confuse love with this need to be rescued or this need to rescue somebody else, especially for me with relationships with other femme folks, I always was going for straight girls. I was always going for girls who were still in the closet or like straight girls and being like, oh, I'm going to get you out of that closet. I'm going to, oh, you know, when you're done with me, you're going to want to come out to your parents because I'm amazing. And then when they wouldn't, I'd be like, yeah, I'm sure I couldn't fix her. And then there's the other thing where we're not addicted to is love, but what we are addicted to, or we meaning I, I'm addicted to limerence, which is the state of falling for someone. That feeling of, when are they going to text me back? Oh my God. Oh my God. What am I going to do? Oh, seeing them like gesture with their hand and you're like, oh, should I grab it and kiss it? That feeling (laughs) is actually what I'm addicted to, to where like the other day, one of my friends who I like am attracted to physically was over and we hugged and it sent 
this chill up my spine and it was like that feeling of being in a bar the first time after getting sober and smelling the tequila, right? Where I was just like, Mm -hmm. oh, (laughs) you know? But now the difference between, like, untreated love addict and a recovering love addict who is, like, highly self-aware of themselves, I know that I don't have to act on that attraction for her. I know that I don't have to act on every single time that I feel that jolt of, wow, I like this person or maybe I have a crush on this person. To where before, when I was untreated and when I was still heavily in my behavior, my acting out, my addictive behavior, I would act on every attraction I had for every single person because I was so afraid that if we're going for the taking breadcrumbs kind of uh, metaphor, I would take crumbs because I was afraid that I would never eat again. Mm -hmm. When there are actually like beautiful croissants just in the oven right now and I just have to be patient (laughs) and I don't have to eat those stale crumbs. I can wait for the full croissant. But I didn't, my, my brain doesn't, you know, it's object permanence or lack thereof, I guess, where if I don't see it in front of me, I'm like, well, it's not there. All of it is, all of it really stems from fear. It's, it is, it's deeply, it's deeply like a fear related wound. First of all, thank you. You're welcome. Um, yes. <laughs> I get it too well now. <laughs> and I'm like relating a little too much. Um, right. Definitely right. have some journaling to do. <laughs> Especially with the three of us being performers who love validation. I think that's... We know that (laughs) dopamine hit and quest. But yeah, I am definitely codependent in relationships. My girlfriend and I recognize we both are codependent. It's just like this that we keep putting it off. Like, we need to address it. We're going to go to couples. We're going to figure it out. But that's just where we are. But I'm realizing how nuanced, I guess, love addiction can be. And thank you so much for breaking that down. Yeah. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores. And it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cashback boost. That's an extra 10% cashback on top of the 15% cashback. You won't see higher cashback rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. 
So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. The the different forms that it takes is very interesting because I wouldn't have thought about that, the pushing away part. Right. Of it, but that that does make a lot of sense when you break. Yeah, it down that's called to, like, that split is be... called in like the the spaces that I uh, the recovery spaces that I occupy. Um, it's called love anorexia, emotional uh, mm, anorexia wow. or love avoidance. That's like p- the pushing people away or the like the extreme fear of love, which yeah, again stems deeply from this kind of addictive not being able to differentiate what's true and what's fantasy. And fantasy can be negative too, where it's like I'm never gonna find the one. I'm never gonna find the one. And it's like this addiction to like finding the one. I was actually just talking to my friend Jake about this the other day. Like we were both sitting on my balcony and. And like past guest, pa- okay, okay, past guest, Jake okay. Of the pod, uh, friend of the pod, friend of the pod, uh, love, love, yeah, them. they're a favorite, they're so. my favorite. Um, I fucking love, I love them so much. Like, and so and funny. we were uh, both talking about like we have this book calling in the one, and neither of us have started the work. <laughs> like, I think it's like coming from just a deep <laughs> fear of like, okay, what happens if I find the one and I don't like them? <laughs> <laughs> fucking selfish and arrogant that I think I can control that you know and that's the other thing is like I feel like all the addictions come from this place of control even though we have no control like it is deep deep control and and fear that like things aren't gonna go our way <laughs> And it's crazy how much fear drives the decisions we make. And I I hadn't really thought about that too much, but it is right. I mean, even when I first got together with my wife now, we were both going through a divorce and I knew it was a terrible time to be getting into a relationship with somebody because I... Ch- Again, both had just gotten divorced and I had, you know, my mind was like, don't do this. Don't get involved. Don't jump into something else. But then the fear in me was like, but I have such a connection with this person. And if I hit pause, I'm so afraid of what would happen. So I'm just going to dive into it and ignore the red Mm. flags. And I mean, I'm glad I did. It worked out for me, at least so far. And (laughs) uh, yeah, but but yeah, it, it took a while for me to kind of revisit that in therapy and be like, what was going like? I wasn't in therapy when that was going on. And afterwards, even though I'm happy with where I am right now, I think I need to revisit what was going on in my mind and why I made these kind of crazy decisions to go from like divorce to the first person that I hook up with post-divorce and then marrying them within a year. It's all just information, right? And I think it's it's really cool that with therapy and, and recovery and, and programs and whatever, groups and all of that, what we can do is revisit that stuff so that we don't have to recreate it, you know? And I am constantly right. just revisiting. And even when I was getting my muscles scraped the other day, I was having these memories coming up. She was doing my face. Like at one point she was like, obviously I'm not like, she didn't go super hard because I'm not all bruised up. My arms are completely like, don't ask. I mean, it looks like I was in an accident. (laughs) Um, but she was getting in my sinuses 
And I, I used to do cocaine like heavily. I think I did coke for like five years, starting in like 2013 when I was 20, which is crazy. And like when she was getting into my sinuses, it unlocked these memories that in that moment I was able to see like myself from this kind of bird's eye view and, and just hold space for that person that was in so much pain because the reason I started doing cocaine was because this boy that I had a crush on from Second City and we used to do improv together like he was a big cokehead and he was just like hey thinking about getting an eight ball for like the show tonight and this is for like a conservatory Second City grad show and he was just like let's do coke for this and I was just like hell yeah and I was just like you know what I think I'm gonna like wait until after the show to do that and he was just like okay well um, I was just gonna like go back to my place and like go do it really quickly between like rehearsal and the show and I was just like oh and my brain goes anything to be alone with him so I went and I did and I like you know I was fine the show actually was great because it was like that I had arrived moment of like doing coke for the first time where I'm like wow like I could be this fucking smart and quick with improv like fuck yeah like let's do this every day you know and then I pretty much did for like five years um with a couple of breaks because I was feeling like I was getting damaged and you know Knowing that the reason for me, the catalyst for me to start drinking, smoking cigarettes, doing coke, smoking weed, all of it was because I liked somebody and they were doing it. Like, I know that now. And I don't have to recreate that with, like, whatever it is. Like, you know, if I start, you know, uh, seeing somebody uh, who likes rock climbing, I don't have to start rock climbing to, like, yeah. you know, relate to them. Like, <laughs> you know, I, I will not rock climb. Like, that is not for me. I am not that kind of gay. I, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's just, like, all information. And, and I love what you said about ignoring the red flags. Like, for me, I'll see a red flag and then I'll put on a pair of rose-colored glasses so it just looks like a regular flag. <laughs> And just like, keep walking, you know? Um, Right, right. Yeah. That just reminded me of a a friend I have from high school. And we don't talk so much uh, nowadays, but I see her on social media. And she definitely is the, I'm going to take up rock climbing. I'm going to take up all of your interests and completely change my personality, my look, Mm -hmm for who I'm with and it's crazy that it's still happening to this day with her every boyfriend I know shape-shifting it's real that is that is a characteristic that is like a sign you know and I I would be willing to bet that everybody has a little love addict in them that you know but it's like there are people who that love addict consumes and kills in the form of they can't be alone with themselves so they end up like trigger warning like killing themselves or it leads them to other addictions like it did for me like where I was just like well the people isn't enough so I'm gonna use coke now you know some people you know do the same thing where it's like, well, I can't, you know, I can't find somebody, so I'm, I'm just going to start paying for it. Not that, like, paying for sex is bad. Like, inherently, I think sex work is actually dope, and it's a great service, but, yeah. like, there are people who, like, they ruin their lives because they spend all their money on, like, sex work, and it, it ends up, you know, really ruining them. I think everybody has a little bit of a love addict in them. Just a little bit. And, and it's just, like, there are folks... You know, for me, I was at death, I was at death's door multiple times. Like, I mean, I've, I've again trigger warning. Like, tried to like unalive myself 
for people over relationships. It wasn't the alcohol. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the drugs that was going to kill me. It was the people addiction, the people snorting, as I like to call it. And, <laughs> you know, now that I have that clarity and that awareness around it and that I, you know, had to, I mean, it took me getting sober off drugs and alcohol to realize that that wasn't the root of my problems. That's that my self-centeredness and my self-pity, like the weird combination of those two was the root of my yeah. troubles. Like, and that is like the root of my thinking too. Like all of my really delusional thoughts about myself and about others and about like, oh, like this person owes me because like, no, nobody owes you shit. Nobody owes me shit. I don't owe anybody shit. They don't owe me shit. All I need to do is continue to grow and like work on myself. And then down the line, like even if I don't do calling in the one, like the, the workbook or whatever, somebody who is also like as committed to growth and change and like working on themselves and doing that self-reflection and that revisiting of those patterns and not recreating them, that person will present themselves when the universe is ready for me to have that person and they might already be in my life. Who fucking knows? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was just start, I was just thinking about this. Like, I love, I used to love, um, yeah, like I mentioned before, I loved pulling tarot cards for myself to try and like see into the future and like, you know, try to control the future and uh, manipulate spirit, (laughs) which is so fucked. Right. And I was flown out to LA for a screen test um, in 2019, early 2019. And, you know, after I'd finished the screen test, I had the rest of the day to myself to like do whatever I wanted. And I was just like, well, I'm certainly going to go to see a psychic. Um, And (laughs) I was just like, I need a love reading. Like, and I was single. I'd just gotten out of a breakup. I was a little over a year sober and wasn't getting what I wanted out of sobriety. So selfish. And I was just like, what am I doing wrong? And she was just like, it's okay. The psychic was like, you're going to meet your soulmate so soon. And they're a poet and they're a yogi. And you guys are going to like move in together really fast. And you guys are going to get married. And oh my God. And I was just like, oh, that sounds great. And she was like, yeah, just so you know, though, this is like a twin flame thing. So that means that the relationship is going to burn out really quick. And I was just like, Okay, um, cool. And I, like, party. Just plant that <laughs> right. seed. Planted the seed for sure, and then I, I prayed for that person. I was like, oh, give me my poet yogi god, please, every night. And then cut to, like, a couple months later, I'm at a show, and I run into this person who, oh, and the, the psychic are so sad. She's like, oh, it's like a friend of a friend. Like, you already, like, have met this person, but you don't know each other really. Like, it's a friend of a friend. And I was just like, okay, god, please, who is it? And then I started looking for that, right? And then um, I ran into this person who played in a band with my best friend, and and I ended up dating them, him. You know, I will say I will say I dated a cis man for a year, and like it happens, it happens. Every, every so often. Often you accidentally fall onto a dick, and it's fine. Um, yeah. <laughs> and he was a poet and a yogi, and we we did move it. We U-Haul. Wow. He was he was like he reminded me of Lisa the male lesbian for sure. Like he only dates he like only dates queer women and like uh, non-binary people, and like a couple of his exes have now like transitioned into men and like oh, yeah yeah. Sounds like my ex boyfriend <laughs> <Yeah>. actually. <laughs> for real. For real, like, it's, and it's so funny because he's like so addicted to not being queer. Um, he's like addicted to identifying as straight. I'm like, but honey, all you date is lesbians and, and non-binary people. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, like, all of that happened. My higher power was really powerful. Like, in like, they were like, all right, you asked for it. Here's your poet yogi, you bitch. And like, and it exact, it is exactly what happened. Is that the relationship burned out because what happened was 
we U-hauled. We did the whole thing. We moved to California together. I thought so. Yeah. We just watching from afar. Yeah. (laughs) And like what ended up happening was like he became a love addict too, because I wasn't finished with my recovery yet. And not that I'll ever be finished, but I was still deep in my, my defense mechanisms and my like little fearing the emotional deprivation. So I was pursuing relationships when I, I knew that I wasn't ready. And then it was made abundantly clear that we were not right for each other during the pandemic. And like, we were forced to live with each other in this little studio in Echo Park. And I was just not Mm. happy. And that's when the real shit had started because I had been checking out like recovery meetings for love addiction and, and codependency and stuff for quite some time. But then when the pandemic hit, I was just like, I have nothing to do but recover. I have nothing to do but face this shit finally and recover. And I did. And and during the like first couple months of the the pandemic, like I realized I was like, "It, it is, you are not it. That's not you. She was right. The, the fucking psychic was right. The addiction, you know, burnt that relationship to a crisp. And it wasn't my addiction that did it. Like it was his. And, and like, I'll always have love for him because he showed me that I'm lovable. I didn't need a man to show me that, but it was nice to be with somebody who was so emotionally available and so willing to be affectionate with me because I'd never had that before. All of the people that I had dated before were either like closeted street girls or like alcoholic men, (laughs) like, you know, (laughs) stand-up comedians. Like, I mean, like, yeah. And this was nice. But then I I started seeing the red flags when he started talking about, I want to do stand-up. And I was just like, um. Oh, wow. (laughs) No, no, no. Yeah. (laughs) Please don't. The biggest of red flags. (laughs) Please don't. Like, yeah, he like started coming to like a bunch of my shows out here. And he was like, you know what, stand-up, I feel like I could do it. And I was just like, no. Oh, see, he's mirroring you. That wasn't the term you used, but taking on your interests. Shape-shifting. Shape-shifting. Yeah. Shape-shifting. Definitely. Interesting, interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So... Are you dating right now? How do you like if you are, how do you navigate dating? Yeah. As a love addict? How do you that's a great question. Yes. So some people who are in recovery from sex and love addiction, they come up with a dating plan where they write out, oh, on the first date, on the first two dates, we're not gonna have sex, we're not gonna kiss or anything. Like we can hold hands, we can hug, but no kissing, no sex, no oversharing, no self-gossip, which is like just being really, really like indiscreet about your endeavors and stuff. I personally, that's not my brand of recovery. I like to like kind of let the universe like guide me rather than like letting myself guide me. (laughs) And the dating plan for me has always felt like too much control in my hands. And I don't like to have any control anymore. I am on an app. I'm on uh, Hinge and I don't like it. Um, I don't like being on the apps anymore. It's, it's, uh, it's actually quite funny. I, I used to be just toxic with the apps. I was like, it was like a little game and I would like, you know, never spend the night by myself. Um, I was constantly just like looking, like trolling for pussy, like on these apps and like, and for dick, like, and trying to like, you know, whatever. And now being back on them, I do get triggered very easily because it's a lot of like just memories coming up from just having that, that something about that gesture of swiping right on or left on somebody when you don't like when you're you don't like them so like I have a holistic approach to the apps where if I'm going to not match with somebody I do say like a quick little blessing so so granola but (laughs) I love it I love it I lean into it I'm crunchy it's fine um I'll say like their name I'll be like hey Anna I hope you get everything that you are looking for on this app 
and I wish you nothing but health, prosperity, and happiness. And then I swipe. It's just like a nice little thing I can do so that it's not so... It's like the Marie Kondo of There you go, yeah. And then when I... Mindful swiping. Mindful swiping. And before I swipe right on somebody that I do want to match with or whatever, I'm like, regardless of the outcome, I am not attached. Like, I, you know, I'm here for... I'm here to meet people, and that is it. And then I'll swipe, and, you know... And and still, I like can wish them like nothing but because you know it's not always likely that they're gonna ma- they're gonna swipe with me or match with me. Um, right. So so I'll I'll do a similar thing when I when I match. But it's like I, I really don't. <laughs> I'm now kind of in the love avoidance where I'm like I don't know if it's out there for me. I don't know if it's out there. Like I don't. And and I like am actually not <laughs> now that I read the cards for others. I don't really read them for myself anymore, especially not in that like way that I was doing it before where I was just like, just give me a sign that something good's going to happen. And it's like, now I am like a hundred percent cocksure that something good is going to happen, that many good things are going to happen that I don't like really need to like snort the tarot cards, like to feel comforted like that. But I like people, like I have a couple crushes right now on people that, um, that one of them knows I well actually two of them know I have crushes on them and nothing is being done about it (laughs) I cannot name names because they will probably listen to this oh (laughs) Uh, but yeah like I I mean like the two people that I I, and it was really scary to tell because my my old thing was to be like I like you now let's fuck or like I wouldn't even say like I like them I would just like hook up with them and then that was how they knew I liked them you know what I mean and like that was my style yeah, yeah. I very much that relate. hasn't happened like that actually hasn't happened in in quite some time and I, I have recently come out as non-binary and have recently come out as like gay with a capital g like and like I do not desire cis men anymore it's just not in the cards <laughs> so to speak for me um, <laughs> that is something that that I did um ask the not the tarot but the akashic records which is another method of um mediumship i guess you could say that i partake in if anyone is interested i'll make a little code and you can type in diking out at checkout and i'll give you a discount Ooh. on my tarot and akashic record session um if nice. you want if you want you get yes. your tarot cards ready no, akashic that, yeah. reds get your soul read yes. um give you a little discount um but yeah the, the records were like no cis men you don't need it like that's not that's not who you want to be with that's not ever who you wanted to be with it's just that you were kind of compulsory hetero for a while and now that you know that your desires are to be with women femmes and like non-binary people and trans people like then you, like you're good just don't go back to the thing revisit don't recreate right um <laughs> um but yeah, I'm not I'm not like actively dating anybody right now. I'm I'm actively self-partnered and I'm recently identifying as solo polyamorous um in that like if I am to get into a relationship right now, like I want to not just be in one relationship because I was a serial monogamous and uh, it never worked. Like it never fucking worked for me. It always led to either like one of us cheating or what happened last time, which is like us U-hauling and me being like severely 
unhappy and not being able to differentiate who was who and like who, where I started and where right. they they ended or whatever. Um, so yeah. I, I think if if I'm in a relationship right now, I'd have to be my primary partner. Uh, or maybe the universe or my ancestors is my primary partner. And then everyone else, like, is not on a hierarchy. Like, I don't like the whole, um, oh, we're poly, but I have a primary. Like, I, I don't really like that whole, like, ranking people thing. Like, that feels really icky to me. For me, I respect it if you do that and you can do that healthily. I personally can't put anyone on a pe- pedestal except for myself. And right. so, yeah, I'm single. In- <laughs> identify as single because I do have a partner that partner is me um I'm taking care of my shit and I I treat myself like I would treat like a hot like um girlfriend or they them uh, lover I really want yeah oh my god with my my arms being all fucking banged up it would be so tight to have some like (laughs) hottie like you know taking care of me and like at my bedside but it feels also really fucking badass to be able to do that for myself without, you know, needing the care and attention of somebody else. It's actually really, really fucking validating and affirming to be able to take care of myself through this physical pain uh, because I've never been able to do that before. Like, it was actually always my favorite time, you know, with with my ex was, like, when I was in some kind of physical pain. Like, after I got my IUD, he just, like, took care of me all day and he just, like, fed me brownies and we ate, we watched Booksmart together and, and, Oh my God, I'm a love addict. I was looking forward to my second Moderna shot because I was like, and I will be taken care of (laughs) by my partner. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it it, really was. (laughs) And it's like not, it's the thing, the cool thing with love addiction is that everybody can relate to it in some way, shape or form. Maybe not in the extreme way where I was just like, I mean, low key, again, trigger warning, having sex when I fully didn't want to, like, you know, (laughs) like things like that. Like, but you know, whatever, you might not relate to the extreme version of love addiction that I used to, you know, act out with, but you might rela- relate to the little things like, and, and that's fine. And there's nothing wrong with you. It's just like, it's, it's just like people are so, I think people are beautiful innately. It's a spectrum, like everything, like, I mean, I say this, this gayest thing I did this week, call another thing a spectrum. I call everything a spectrum lately, <laughs> but it does seem like love addiction is one. Mm-hmm. For sure. I mean, it also seems, though, that recovery is so much more complicated, not more difficult, because I know substance abuse recovery is one like one of the if not the most difficult things to to have to do. But that with substance abuse, there are things that, you know, you can do like stay away from that substance, stay away from people who are using that substance. You know, there, there's, there are programs, there are things you can follow, but when it comes to having a complicated relationship with codependency and love, we're humans. We need people. Love, love is the most important thing in this world, Mm -hmm. I believe. So, well, I will say this, like staying, staying away from bars and staying away from people I knew were going to like have Coke on them. Didn't keep me sober from alcohol drugs so why would staying away from people make me like keep me sober from acting out with people right like avoiding avoiding you know avoiding and having a trigger list and knowing like what the triggers are like that shit doesn't fucking work for me like the only thing that has worked for me to keep me 100% like not uh I don't like using the word abstinent like 
um, because I'm not like I'm not sexually abstinent. Like that's not how I ID. If somebody right. was like aligned and like I was, you know, feeling them, they were feeling me. Like and and we had gone on a couple dates and we liked each other. I wouldn't be like I'm abstinent. Sorry. Like no, we would have sex. Like if if both of us <laughs> wanted to, if both of us and, wanted to, we would have sex. Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> but yeah. like. And, and, and something that I tell the people that I work with as like a mentor in the program, somebody who has been working this recovery, having these tools for a little over three years now, I tell the, the new folks, assuming that we're spiritually fit, we can do all sorts of things. I, as an alcoholic, I can go into a bar. I can even smell tequila. I can even go to a party where I know a bunch of people are going to be smoking weed and doing coke. And I can go to that party and assuming I'm spiritually fit, I can be there without getting triggered. Yeah, like it might suck, but I have my phone, I have my resources, I have my crystals and whatever I need to do to like protect myself. I am the CEO of protection. I love to prepare emotionally for things rather than being like, I guess I should go to this party so I can be around people. And it's like, no, like assuming I'm spiritually fit, I can have sex. I could, you know, date. I can be on a dating app. Um... I do all sorts of things that, like, a love addict shouldn't be able to do. But since I, I've got this, you know, recovery, I, I do, like, I have my shit together on some days, on most days. And, you know, I, I used to be super hard on myself and any positive feeling when I first came into recovery from, from codependency, love addiction, any good feeling. I was just like, I'm high. And, <laughs> you know, I, I had to start wearing the tools of recovery like a loose cardigan and not as so much of a straight jacket and I feel like I see so many people go back out into acting out and into the world of drowning in that self-pity when they start wearing the program or the the tools or the steps or whatever you want to you know whatever your method or therapy or, or language of letting go like as a fucking straight jacket where it's like no loosey-goosey like keep it keep it loose you're not doomed forever if you flirt with somebody if you see a pretty person on the street and you look them up and down you're not going to hell you're not gonna lose your sobriety over that that's not you right. know um even if you like fucking masturbate like i i mean yeah sometimes that's better than going out and cruising especially in the age of covid when you never know oh, like yeah. i went on a date with a girl a couple weeks ago who was just like oh yeah i had covid like a month ago and i'm all better now and i'm i've, I've gotten vaccinated but i was just like oh shit like do you know where it came from she's like i absolutely know i got it from a guy who like had lied to me about not having it and he fully gave her it's probably a comedian. <laughs> right oh my god probably oh, yeah there's so many comedians lying about having covid and going what? The the that's a big thing here in New York right now. Yeah. It's actually See, that's yeah. why I'm not doing shows in person yet. I'm, yeah. I can't. I'm scared. I'm, I'm low-key mm-hmm. terrified. But if you're willing to like be honest with yourself, you're really, really willing to like swallow and digest some like huge chunks of truth about yourself and like look in the mirror and stop fucking looking in the magnifying glass at everybody else's fucking problems. Cause that was a big one for me too. Is like, well, I'm not an addict. Oh, she threw up in a girl's pussy. I'm not a fucking alcoholic. Like, you know, like literally like that. <laughs> Melody needs to help herself. I'm fine. <laughs> exactly. And I would do that with all the guys that I was like, like all the people I was dating were, were serious drinkers too. So I was like, so, you know, and, and my last, like kind of the, the person who like after, you know, I was done with him. Like I had, I was convinced that I should kill myself because I was just like, well, you know, if I was willing to let that happen to me, then I should probably die. Like, you know, cause he was like hella narcissistic, had a bunch of like side chicks and like da, 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 da. And I was convinced that I was useless, loveless, worthless, hopeless, would never recover from this. 
And what, what, <laughs> what that gave me was this like desperation that was like, I'm desperate enough to fucking find God. Like I'm desperate enough to go into some kind of like religious, like, you know, recovery. Like, and, and then I found out that it wasn't actually religious. They use the word God as kind of like a um, placeholder for anything that is a power bigger than Rivka. Like, yes, right. you know, and as right, long as it's yeah. not like myself or like my ex or like a bottle of tequila, like I'm good. And so like, I, I, I was willing to like drop everything to like really get serious about my mental health and my personal um, journey and my like sobriety and all that. And and it has paid off. I mean, yeah, like I don't have like a perfect gay relationship right now, but I have my own apartment. I'm fully self-supporting. I'm like on my way to making six figures this year. And like, oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's like not even the best part. Like the best part is that I, I get to do this like with myself and I don't have to like share a bed with somebody else. And like, I'm not like spiraling out on the fact that I don't have a partner right now. It, it seems like it was like almost a perfect storm of getting sober from substances and, and then also the pandemic. And, and a lot of people have had this experience where it's really forced you to learn how to live with yourself because you don't have mm-hmm. your normal distractions, let's say. Completely. Examining. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people got sober during the pandemic too. Like I'm seeing a lot of Mm -hmm. like new people like coming into the community or people that like were in it and then coming back. It makes me really happy that, that, you know, it just like is honestly more people that I can help. Hopefully even this podcast, if you're hearing this and you're like, Oh shit, I, uh, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, you you can reach out DM (laughs) me about it. Like I am definitely, my DMS are always open and I'm happy to share my resources, which have worked for me and just lay them out for you. So you can inspect them and see if you want to pick any of the tools up, you know, um, it, it's just, yeah, it, it is all like, it, it is something that can be recovered from, even though like some days I'm like, Oh God, I'm still crazy. I'm still cuckoo. Like, you know, I'm still a lunatic and, and whatever. Like when I, when I had my friend over and I like hugged her and the pheromones, I was just like, oh, like, oh, or her cheek is pressing my cheek. Do I kiss it? Like, <laughs> yeah, especially coming out of quarantine times. That's yeah. Gotta be- it is it is a lot to have to to have a sad friend like come over and like weep in my arms and I'm just like oh god she smells like lilabo um but you know it it I don't again it's like just all information that like I don't have to like necessarily act on it's just like oh wow like it felt really good that she trusted me to be <laughs> to be in my home and be here when she was having like a stressful time noted now do I rescue her or do I just continue about my business and continue to rescue myself it's just always like I'm coming up against these like crossroads where I'm like okay this is what old Riv would do in 2017 what would Riv 2021 do okay I'm gonna do that thing right yeah you've said this a couple times and it's probably gonna be one of my new mantras it's all information yeah I love that stick it in the good to know file I've never heard that and I love that yeah it's just data it's like stick it in the the good to know good to know file for later you know yeah right Uh, man I have to wonder how much being a performer from such a young age contributed to this you were famously in school of rock famously (laughs) I was like wow we're gonna actually 
actually get through a whole episode and not bring it up, but then I just did. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you. how old were you at that time? Like that had to have been confusing. Yeah, it was highly confusing. I was 10 years old. It gave me a really unrealistic um, uh, expectation of what the industry would be like for me because it was the first thing I ever auditioned for. And so, and I booked it. So I was just like, oh, great, this is easy. And then it was not easy. I was very quickly made aware and I don't think my mom really was aware of this, but I was made aware just by being, highly, like I mentioned, highly sensitive and highly receptive of, of other spirits and like whatever, just like telling me things like, and I knew when I walked into casting offices and manager meetings and stuff as a, you know, after the movie had come out that this was a fluke. This was like a one-time thing. And maybe that was like a little bit of inner saboteur shit, but I, I kind of could tell that I wasn't, there wasn't really any leaning in like when I was like auditioning and stuff because I didn't want to be there. I was like, I want to be in school. I don't want to be special. I want to be normal. Like, this is cool that I got to do this, but I just want my life back now. And I don't like this Hollywood thing. I, I love acting. Like, it's always been what I was meant to do. Storytelling, I think, is what I was meant to do rather than acting. And, and acting is like a fun vehicle for storytelling that I, I get to partake in. But then also is stand-up and music and all of the other shit mm-hmm. that I fucking do, podcasting, etc. Tarot, all of that tells a story but it gave me this unrealistic expectation that things were going to be really easy for me and also like when I came back to school after having done school of rock all it was a lot of attention from boys for the first time and even Mm. while I was like on set for school of rock one of the boys in the cast was like I like you I want you to be my girlfriend and I was just like I don't know what that means but okay um, sounds good. And my mom was kind of like, yeah, he's really nice. You should do it. And, and I was just like, okay. And that was my first foray into a relationship was my mom being like, he's really nice. You should say yes. And then it mirrored a couple experiences mirrored that like where I was a sophomore in high school and one of the senior boys from the theater program at my school asked me to prom and he did it in a very like big showmanship way. And my mom was just like, well, you can't say no to that. Even though I really didn't want to go. She's like, you can't say no. He put in all that work, so you got to say yes. And I was just like, well, I really don't want to go with him. He's a fucking creep. And she was like, yeah, but the school's going to think you're a bitch if you don't go. So I was just like, noted. And so a lot of this was me doing things for the sake of not wanting to look like a bitch or not wanting to look like I like was mean. And, and that's a whole other episode. Right. People yeah, pleasing. people pleasing is a whole other yeah. episode y'all could do, honestly. Um, oh, part two, yeah, I'll right. come back. Shit. I'm the, <laughs> I used to be the queen of people pleasing, but now I'm like, uh, if it doesn't please me, then I'm not going to fucking do it. But yeah, I, I realized like super young, what I wanted to do was tell stories. And my dad's also a, a divine storyteller. Like he's a great storyteller to a point where he's a compulsive liar, you know? And, and oh, yeah, like, the type. yeah, yeah. He's, he's a great, he's, he would be a great standup, uh, honestly. Uh, <laughs> and like, I just, you know, for a long time, it became my higher power to book something bigger than School of Rock and better than School of Rock. But now I've come to this place of deep acceptance that School of Rock is such a good movie and like it was an honor and I'm deeply grateful for you know all of the opportunities that it's led me to like and rather than telling myself the whole like kind of old story of like oh they only like you because you're in School of Rock like it's like well sure maybe that's why they brought you into this thing yeah but you're so so much more um than that credit like I am so much more than that one credit um Mm -hmm. where I was like 10 and like whatever and like yes like I love that 
you know, um, the people on TikTok have been so nice. They've been so like, you know, um, uh, supportive and, and, you know, I was afraid I was going to lose like a bunch of followers when I came out, like as non-binary, um, it actually like grew. My following actually grew after I, I told my truth and now it's, yeah. it's grown even more now that I've, I've changed my name and that I've accepted and, and digested all these deep divine truths about myself. And now that I'm like putting them out into the eye of the public and just being like, Hey, this is who I am. I know that not everybody's going to fucking like what I have to say. There are actually going to be some people that fucking hate what I have to say, but I have important shit to say. So I'm going to go ahead and say it rather than just like choking it back, which is like what I did when I was a kid, obviously, when something told me like, ah, you probably don't want to go to prom with that boy. But, you know, outside forces were like, no, go because you'll fucking look like an asshole if you don't. Mm. Now I am so connected to my inner voice that little gut voice that's like don't do it that I'm able to just say no I was called in for this like one line walk on rule on one of the shows that shoots in Chicago and I mean I could put something on tape for that but I really don't want to do it and then I was just like why would I put something on tape for it if I don't want it if I wouldn't even go if I got it so why am I wasting these people's time so I was able to just discern and say to my agent hey I'm not really interested in one line roles in Chicago right now and I think it's the same of all relationships that if, you know, I start dating somebody and they start, um, I don't know, for example, like the other night after I'd gotten my muscles scraped, somebody needed something from me so bad and it was so urgent. And I was just like, hey, it's actually not that urgent. I'm not going to be able to deal with this tonight because I'm bedridden. Uh, I got my muscles scraped and I any any sort of um, tension or, or stress sends little pins and needles up and down my back. So I'm going to go ahead and airplane mode my phone for the night. I hope you can deal with this without me. And I hope you can understand that I need some rest. And most times they can. Yeah, yeah. 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 There's so much power in saying no. And that's something that has taken me years and years to even get to. I felt like it wasn't until maybe the year before the pandemic that I started realizing that I was saying yes to everything. And then certain things I would be just dreading going to a show that obviously wasn't going to, I don't know, I, I'd be asked to do maybe like a concept show that was going to require me to put in two hours of prep and then go an hour by train somewhere for what was likely to be an audience of three people. And as soon as I said yes to it, I'm like, like, oh my God, why did I say yes? And then I was able to catch that immediately and being like, if I dread it now, it's only going to get worse. So just reply and say, hey, I changed my mind. I actually, I'm not going to do this. And it's okay. Yeah, That's not, you know, and, but the saying yes all the time, it's going back to that thing of like making decisions driven by fear of like, well, what happens if I say no, are they going to hate me? Am I missing out on? Am like, I ever going to do stand up again? Is always the yeah. like. If I say yeah. no to this, if I say no to this, like one liner, like the character doesn't even have a name. Like the character's name was like non-binary right. baddie or something like that. And the script was like hella misogynistic yeah. and like transphobic. To be honest, and like I was just like, I don't yeah. want to. I don't want to fly out for this one liner thing on this show written by this highly problematic showrunner. Like I don't want to. I don't want to be a part of that. So you know, and that probably gives you a hint as to. Who it I know, is. but like, I was like, let's wrap this up so we can discuss off my. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, I, I just, yeah, discernment is so important, and and you know, if I'm giving myself 
so freely to every person, place, and thing that needs needs me, quote-unquote, and I say that in air quotes because nobody actually needs me. Nothing is actually urgent. My <laughs> One of my mentors is always like, you know, if, if you know Jesus could pause for 40 days or the Buddha could sit under a tree for six years and do nothing, like Rivka can wait eight minutes to respond to a text message. Like, it's not yeah. that urgent. It's not that fucking urgent. Right. Like, you didn't need that meeting password that badly. Like, right? Um, <laughs> you know, and and... and or you didn't need that person's email address or whatever the fuck it is. Like, you know, uh, uh, right. And, and yeah, like the, the, again, it always goes back to the breadcrumbs thing. If you're just patient and you like, you know, ignore the crumbs and you're like, no, that's just a crumb. I don't need to, I don't need to pick that up. There will be a giant flaky buttery croissant ready for you. You just, you got to wait for it. I know it's going to come out of the oven. It's going to be a little hot. You're going to like want to like grab it and eat it right away, but you got to just wait for it to cool down. And then just, then you can savor it, you know? I wish someone had given me that metaphor years ago because I fucking love croissants. So <laughs> save me. Well, now you can pass it on to to yours, to your future, you know, uh, <laughs> mentees and kids and, and all yeah, of that. Yeah, truly the best analogy I've heard in a long time. Thank you. <laughs> yes, thank you. I'm full sure. of them. <laughs> so, Riv, you have a podcast. Tell, tell us what you have going on that you want our listeners to check out, or do you have any final thoughts on love addiction as we wrap up? Yeah, like I said, like love addiction, difficult to diagnose in yourself. Really difficult right. to, yeah, and it's even more difficult to accept it once you once you have gleaned that you are a love addict. But there are so many things that you can do, and there are so many like resources for love addicts, sex addicts sex and love addicts, love avoidance, all of that codependence. Fantasy addicts. Fantasy I just read addicts. That that's a thing. Yeah. yeah. Fantasy addiction. I, I definitely suffer from that too. Um, you know, and in recovery, like we say intrigue addiction, which is like flirtation and like kind of the like, like the high you get off of like snorting a person's <laughs> like personality or whatever. But you know, the biggest thing that I have learned and gained from you know, my recovery from love addiction is that I now know how to avoid situations that put me at risk. And unfortunately, every situation I was getting into was putting me at risk before I got sober, emotionally sober, that is. Um, and I, and also like, you know, you can just say, all you need to do is say those three magic words, I need help. And like, the universe will hear that. And you'll find help in whatever way you need. It might not be like, you know, um, therapy. It might not be like, CODA or SLAW or like, you know, any of those like, you know, 12 steppy programs, it might not be like, you know, rehab. There's actually rehab for love addiction. And I don't know if y'all knew that. Um, no. Yeah, I never went, but a lot of my friends have. And like, you know, it, it, it might just be as simple as you meet somebody who has recovered from this and they like give you some advice like, or, or you hear this podcast and you're like, wow, I actually like feel like I can, you know, uh, uh, get better from this. And, and it is possible. Like, it's just like all about like acceptance and, and honesty and willingness um, and like having an open mind there. There. Yeah. Um, and then the podcast that I host is called Where Are We Now? I connect and chat and kiki with fellow uh, folks who grew up in the spotlight uh, some of them stayed in the spotlight, others faded out or others like opted out of it. Um, and, and it's a really fun time. It's a really fun pod. You also get fun little solo episodes where I literally just talk about where I am that day. Um, nice. yeah, yeah. We're all over, all Love over the, the podcast places and I got a Patreon as well. Um, that's just patreon.com slash Rivka Reyes, TikTok, Instagram, Rivka.Reyes, Twitter, Rivka Reyes. Thank you. 
Hell yeah. Love Thank it. You, follow, follow, listen. All the good stuff. Thank you, Riv. This is so great. Truly. Thank you so much for sharing. Well, thank you, Carolyn. Thanks, Melody. It's good to it's good to connect with both of you. Such great energy from Rivka. Such great energy and a wealth of knowledge that we will take with us into this listener question. Great. Because it's a doozy. Uh, yeah. Let's get into it. I got married when I was 21, but it was to a great guy. I love him dearly. We are still married, and I am happy being his wife. I really like our life together. But I feel all right, like... All right, Stop selling it so hard. <laughs> Who are you trying to convince? Us or you? No. Uh, yada, I'm yada, yada. yada. I'm in going. love with Melody Kamali. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Continue. I feel like there is a black hole in my heart. Something is really missing. I know that it is love and intimacy with women, but I don't know what to do about it. Mm, Classic. I sit up at night when he sleeps just looking up lesbians on Instagram. I look at their photos and get tears. I wish I could express myself that way. I wish people knew me as gay because that's how I feel inside. I explain this to him and he understands but also hates it, obviously. We've tried dabbling in threesomes, which was fun, but it didn't give me what I need. I'm missing intimacy. Holding hands, cuddling, deep conversations. I fear myself cheating to be able to have that experience, but I don't want to be that kind of person. I also fear leaving him for a woman, and I may feel the exact way for men as I have been feeling for women this whole time. Any ideas or suggestions? Yes, just listen to next week's episode. Yeah, that's That's what I was going to (laughs) say. Stay tuned. We've got just the conversation coming up for you next week. Yes. But but until then, I'll give you a little advice. It does sound like, you know, if, if you have tears looking at photos of lesbians on, on Instagram, th- this is something that you can't ignore. And it seems yeah. like you figured this out, but a threesome definitely isn't the answer. to it it sounds like you know what's going on it's just kind of what what do you do and it's hard because you have to make a decision it's like do you say you know what I am truly I truly think I'm happy which I don't think you truly are because you say you feel like there's a black hole in your heart and that that is not a good sign so I wouldn't go the route of just being like (laughs) Push it down. That's terrible advice. Don't push it down. I mean, you that will is get one thing you sick, could do. It feels like yeah. at this point. Yeah. Yeah. That black heart will grow and, and spread. The other thing is, it sounds like you've had a conversation with him and he hates this and he's not happy with this. But if you need to be able to explore this side of yourself, like that's what you need to do. And if he wants to be part of your life, he either has to figure out a way to be okay and to love you and trust you enough to know that this is what you need and what's best for you, or it ends the relationship. And your fear of if you leave him for a woman and then you feel the same way about men, then maybe that just means you're polyamorous that polyamory is right for you Mm -hmm. and if your husband isn't the person to be polyamorous with then it's not the relationship for you this is really hard stuff it is really hard stuff and you care about the person obviously you care about him you like your life together 
Yeah. We talked about this in our episode with guest Samantha Ruddy about it was dating your ex and it was about restructuring a relationship, but it sounds like your relationship needs restructuring. You can't have a situation, I think, where you say, oh, let me just try this for myself. And then you're still married to him. And then he's kind of feeling held captive, like either need to restructure the relationship in a way that works for for both of you or you need to end it. But I don't think you can have a situation which would probably be the ideal one for you and feel the safest is have him be okay with you to go off and experiment and see how you feel feel like, yeah, see how you feel and then go back and report back and adjust accordingly. But that doesn't really seem fair to him either. And then that also doesn't really seem fair to whoever you might be experimenting with. So you have to have a relationship that either uh, allows you to be intimate with multiple humans, regardless of gender, or you need to start over, which is, again, very hard because you have a, a life that you like. But what do you like about it? Is it you love the life or that you're used to the life, that there's comfort in the life? Or would you love feeling more fulfilled and having that black heart not be there and not feeling so tortured by feeling like you're not living your authentic life? Right. I mean, you're looking at photos of lesbians and you're welling up. I mean, a lot of these lesbians had to probably make some similar uncomfortable decisions and have heartbreaking conversations with people too and look at how happy they are now you know great point great point melody it's like it's necessary yeah so you know when you're being really honest with yourself i think that's the first step be really really honest with yourself uh about what you want. Step two, have a aggressively honest conversation <laughs> with him. See if there's a possibility Aggressive to honesty. restructure. I think they call it radical honesty, but I'm a Capricorn, so I'm going to say aggressive honesty. Oh, yeah. All aggressive everything. <laughs> Wishing you the best, though, because it, that sounds like such a tough spot to be in and heart goes out to you. Yeah. So if you have a question for us that you want us to answer here on the pod, you can email it to dykingout at gmail.com. If you need uh, some queers to look at on Instagram and get <laughs> emotional over, you can follow me at TGI Carolyn. You can follow me at Melody Kamali. And you can follow us at Diking Out on all platforms. And thank you so much for listening this week. We'll see you next Tuesday. Have you ever been stuck on a call you really wish you could get off of? I guess it's official. Oh. I guess we're partners. Thank you. Here we go. I feel like after that incredible dinner that we had with you the other night, and I'm, I'm not going to tell you how much it was. But you try to put two dozen oysters in a spreadsheet, you know, your accountant's not so happy. So can't even write those off when, yeah, it's, when they come from Seafood gets tricky, so. Right. Conference call follows a down-on-her-luck tech industry wonderkin by the name of Julie Burke, who has no other choice but to partner with two brothers from the reject piles of Shark Tank as they desperately try to develop their next invention. 
When recordings of Julie's calls with the Toad Bros end up in the hands of an investigative journalist, she presents her audience with the wild twists of Julie's story, showcasing the best of their worst, most cringeworthy phone calls. Conference Call, a Paradiso Media production presented by Realm, stars Elizabeth Henstridge, Jeff Ward, Gregory Stees, and Emma Roberts, and featuring Karen Gillan, Beck Bennett, Dimi Dijuibe, Clark Gregg, and many more. Be sure to listen and subscribe to Conference Call wherever you get your podcasts, or learn more at realm.fm.